You're listening to the City Church Downtown Podcast. Now here's Doug Robbins. Well, how are we doing today, City Church? Doing all right, Jay? Yeah, good to see you guys. <laughs> well, it's good to see you guys in such good spirits today. You know, the last service felt a little hungover, so uh, too much fiesting for them. But we're starting this series this week called Freeway. It's like an on-ramp to spiritual freedom uh, because a lot of folks... Um, feel a little bound up or in kind of a spiritual and emotional slavery. And as I've had conversations with a lot of San Antonians and many within our church, I found a few things that are keeping people in like this spiritual slavery. They're like a lot of people that feel bound up by guilt and shame from past mistakes and sin. And this freeway series should help us get over that. Also, I've talked to a lot of people who are in kind of a spiritual slavery due to like Uh, over technology use like technology is supposed to help us but uh, we get addicted to the you know the inject that we get of chemicals whenever we keep looking at our screen like every five seconds and we can't focus on a conversation and so we want to get free from uh, that type of damage we also have some that um, have had damaging sins committed against us in years past and it makes us feel uh, damaged it it changes our self-perception where we feel like a freak you know we feel damaged, and we want to learn how to deal with those past wounds as well during the Freeway series. And some of you have grown up in religious environments where um, you just feel like you could never live up to all the religious rules. You just couldn't fulfill all of them, and you feel a little bound up spiritually. And then there are others who have been into this wild living, and it started out really thrilling, but the wild living, just the more you've gotten into it, and the more things have gotten out of control, it's like you're now enslaved to some behaviors that you really wish that you didn't have in your life, and it's robbing you of your resources and your peace in your heart. And in Freeway Series, we hope to help you overcome that. And that was certainly the case with one of the characters in the Bible story that we're going to explore today, um, the story of the prodigal sons. Now, I've been helped by a pastor and best-selling author named Tim Keller from New York City on this story. And basically what he helped me to understand is that the story of the prodigal sons is typically told as the story of the prodigal son, singular, right? But really, it's the prodigal sons, plural, like there are two sons in the story. And the story set up in such a way where we're supposed to compare and contrast these two brothers in the story. So let me ask you this question. Uh, How many of you are the oldest sibling in your family? Just get your hands up. The oldest in the family? Okay, good, good. You can put your hands down. How many of you are the youngest in your family? Yeah, some babies in the family. That's what I am, baby family. Okay, you can put your hands down. How many of you are middle children? Put your hands down. Nobody really cares. So, the story, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the middle, <laughs> middle children like Pastor Doug, that's not funny at all. <laughs> Got a wound on that one. But the story we're studying today characterizes the, the older son and the younger son. I'm going to show you a chart here, and if you look at this chart, you'll see that the younger son is kind of characterized as the wild child. He's rebellious, uh, thinks that the older brother is way uptight. Isn't that the truth? And then uh, he's very self-expressive in the way that he lives. And then if you look at the older brother there, he's got a great hat on, but he's the good kid. He's always right in his mind. Um, He thinks his younger brother is irresponsible and carefree, um, and he's a rule follower. So with that chart in mind, let me do another kind of informal survey here. How many of you 
feel like you most lean in the direction of the older brother. You feel like you're an older brother type uh, the way you live your life. Okay, someone's like trying to raise his wife's hand. Because how many of you feel like the younger brother? You're more the younger brother, okay? How many of you are like me and you feel like you can't make up your mind? You just keep going back and forth, you know, older, younger, younger. Yeah, some of us are like that. Well, the younger son in this story wanted to leave home and he wanted to spend up his inheritance on this like Hugh Hefner, P. Diddy fantasy wildlife, right? He wanted to go to all these places like All-Stars Strip Club and Sugar Strip Club. And of course, none of the men in our church know what those places are, but uh, this particular kid wanted to go to these places and he figured he would get all the attention from the ladies with his liberal spending. And he was gonna buy shots for everyone and everyone would wanna be his friend and he would be everyone's sugar daddy, wouldn't he? I mean, he's just like making it rain, right? This is this guy. Well, the wild child younger brother He leaves his loving home to experience the exhilaration of the never-ending party, but eventually he realizes that the exhilaration of this never-ending wildlife is only temporary. And so the younger son eventually runs out of money. The ladies from All Stars and Sugars don't want his attention anymore. Uh, All of his friends bail out on him because he's not buying shots for everyone around anymore. He can't even pay the rent in his apartment and there's a, the economy takes a dip at that time. And since he can't pay his rent, he ends up uh, over in Poteet, Texas, living in some dude's barn, feeding the pigs. And he's so hungry. I mean, he's not even on welfare. And he is longing to eat the pig food. And that's really bad for a kosher Jewish kid who's uh, not into bacon or uh, hogs at all. Now, if the older son could have been there in the barn to see his younger brother's demise, you know exactly what he would have been saying, right? Those of you who are older brothers, you might have said something like this. Little bro, you got what you had coming to you. You made your bed, and now you gotta lay in it. But you should be like me, responsible all the time, following the rules. And so um, the older son, man, he, he just loves being right. You know what I mean? He wants to just rub it in uh, to his younger brother. Well, some of you who are younger sons and in the middle of that wildlife right now, maybe someone brought you to church today. I don't want to throw a bunch of stones at you, but I do know that some of you are kind of blowing me off right now. But I I, I want you to think through something just for a minute because I've worked with people for many years. I used to work as a youth pastor, and I've seen this scenario play out many times where a younger son, a kid here, right here in San Antonio, they think, well, home is lame, right? In fact, they even see the bumper sticker that says, keep San Antonio lame. Have you seen this bumper sticker around town or this mug, keep San Antonio lame? And they think, well, I'm just gonna go somewhere else, you know? I'm gonna go somewhere that's not lame. So I'll go to Austin, because after all, the Austin slogan is, keep Austin what? Weird. Okay, everybody in Austin thinks that's really unique and everything, but actually there are a lot of cities. If you get around the country, you'll find that it's like you can go to Portland, and they'll say the same thing, right? Keep Portland weird, okay? Then you can drive over to Santa Cruz, and uh, they're going to say keep Santa Cruz weird. So it's actually not that unique of a thing, but the principle is true no matter where you go, is that there are people that think home is lame, and then they move to another city. Um, And you know what happens 
We have this saying in recovery, everywhere you go, there you are. You go to another city and all of a sudden it becomes lame. You know why? Because you're lame. Everywhere you go, there you are. You take those same wounds, problems, hurts, and issues with you into the next relationship, into the next apartment complex, even into the next city. And people wonder, well, why did this city all of a sudden get lame? Because everywhere you go, there you are. And at some point, we have to look in the mirror and say, uh, God, I'm ready to change, right? So um, that wherever I am, your grace and your love will be. Now, um, the younger son's dissatisfaction with home um, didn't leave him when he went to other places. And so we often have to hit rock bottom before we come to our senses. And younger sons who are blowing me off right now, and you're saying, hey, Pastor Doug, you know, I just, it's so much fun right now. I just don't want to leave all that wild living and all that lifestyle. Well, someday when you do hit the bottom and you're ready, I want you to come here. We love you and we want to help you up is what we want to do. And it may not be the time for you not right now. Now, moms and parents, um, I know that some of you have younger son types in your life right now. And it hurts you, doesn't it? To see them struggle and hurt. But we have to avoid the temptation to enable them because sometimes helping hurts. We have to allow even our kids to experience the pain that will help them come to their senses, don't we? So sometimes helping actually hurts. And I know it's so hard. It's like we love our kids, but we don't want to see them suffer. We don't want to see them experience pain. But we have to just let go and allow them and just pray, God, I pray that you would protect them during this time and don't allow them to do any permanent damage in their lives. But while the younger son is still gone, what must the father be thinking? Some of you parents know what this father is thinking and what he's feeling and what's going through his head. Um, you know, the, when this younger son wanted his money and his inheritance, it's like he's saying, I, I want your money, but I don't want you. And that's kind of difficult to hear, isn't it? And it's like the son was saying, well, my relationship with you was really just a means to an end. I'm tired of you. Um, and, and parents know that rejected love is a deep wound, isn't it? Some of you know when your, your kids appear to be rejecting you, it really hurts. Or when some other person has rejected you, it, it really hurts on the inside. And do you suppose that you and I have ever come before God praying, God bless my life, and we really wanted God's blessing, but we really didn't want him? See, what God wants is our hearts. He doesn't just want our external kinds of behaviors, but he wants our hearts. And what's very shocking about this story is the response of the father. Most Bible scholars who understand the mores and practices and culture of that time know that it would be very common for a Middle Eastern father who had been rejected or dishonored in this way to kick his son out of the home with violent language and actions and even physical abuse. And so it's very shocking that uh, the younger son was not abused on his way out. And certainly the older brother would have been there with plenty of scripts to give his father to say, right? It's like, dad, you need to tell him he's a worthless, ungrateful punk. You need to kick him out. You need to tell him, don't let the door hit you on the butt on the way out. Just get out of here. Um, it was very shocking that this father doesn't react this way. But with a broken and loving heart, he gave his younger son 
the inheritance money. And do you know to get that inheritance money, he had to liquidate, that is, he had to sell some of the family land in order to give his son his inheritance. And you know how a Jewish person feels about their land? Their land is like a part of them. It's sacred to them. The only way I know how to describe it in our culture is here in San Antonio. We consider the Alamo something very sacred. It's so significant to the history of our city and also our entire state, right? And so that's why we say, if you're going to jack with the Alamo, oh, you just come and take it. That's our slogan, right? Because we understand the significance and importance of that land. So... He's not like other dads, this father. He's not harsh. He doesn't act on his machismo, but he's longing for his son. And you know, I long for my kids when they're away at like camp or when I'm out of town. Um, I long for them. And this father has been away from his younger son for many months, an extended period of time. And there isn't a day that goes by when this father is not thinking about his younger son. But at this point in life, his younger son has hit the bottom. And finally, he's ready to say, I've got a problem. I don't have this under control. I need a power greater than myself to get my life back on track here. And maybe the loving support that I had at home from my father isn't so bad after all. I want to come home. And are there any of you that have felt like a younger son and you've been away from him and you just want to come home? And as the band plays this song, I want you to think about what's going on in this younger son's heart and his emotions and his mind as he starts down that road just wanting to get home. So can you imagine what's going through the head of this kid when he's on his way home and he's thinking to himself, you know, things weren't so bad at home. He knows the heart and character of his father, and so he thinks I'd be way better off to just go home to my good and loving father. And we see uh, the heart of this father in Luke chapter 15. Look with me at verse 20, where the Bible says, and while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming, filled with what? Love and compassion. This father, he ran to his son, embraced him and kissed him. And his son said to him, Father, I've sinned against both heaven and you, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. This father said to his servants, quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet and kill the calf that we've been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast. And maybe this son is expecting something like, don't ever show your face around here again. Or maybe he's expecting something like, I told you so. But instead, this father pulls out all the stops. He kills the fatted calf. He throws this great barbecue with a great fiesta party and a DJ and everything. And you know what happens when the older son comes home from work that night and sees the party still going on? He is bent. He does not like this party going on. And he lets his dad know about it. He's like, Dad, look, I've been here all the time. I've been completely faithful to you. And then all of a sudden, Ferris Bueller comes home and he's like, spent his inheritance on prostitutes and, you know, acid, and you throw a big party for him? This doesn't make sense for me at all. Because, Dad, whenever I try and have a party, I, you know, we go out to eat. You don't even let me get the caprito at Taco Cabana, you know? I mean, you don't do anything for me. And so he's questioning the father's goodness 
and fairness because older sons believe that they deserve God's blessing because of their good behavior. And this is why a lot of older sons get angry. And you know, sometimes that anger, a low-lying anger leads to a depression because we're questioning the methods and goodness of God. It's like the older son says, I've been living the good life, and so God owes me these blessings. And unfortunately, things don't always go our way, do they? Even for older sons. And what is it that keeps the older son out of the party? Because the older son wasn't even willing to go into the party. What is it that keeps him out of the party? Is it his badness or his goodness? It's his goodness, isn't it? It's his goodness that keeps him out of the party. And so I was thinking about this story, and it was kind of dissecting me a little bit, because, you know, most of my life, I would have felt more connection with the younger son, but the longer I'm doing well spiritually, you know what happens in my own heart? I start leaning towards the older son. That's why I kind of go back and forth, is that I used to feel very self-expressed like the younger son, but then the longer I'm doing well, it's like... I get a little bit more judgmental and I have a little bit less patience for the people that are younger sons that are trying to come home. And you know, I've got this friend right now who has been a little bit prodigal and I'm mad at him. Um, and I'm like, I, I'm like, God, make him suffer just a little bit longer, right? What is that in my heart? That's not good, is it? Are any of you like me, like leaning in the direction of the older son and losing patience and grace for people that are continually making mistakes. It's not that we have to justify their sins, but it's like I say to God, God, I've been doing so well, so you need to bless me, but really stick it to him. And I like this quote from Tim Keller where he says, religious people obey God to get things. Gospel people obey God to get God. And see, in reality, it's not the morally right older brothers who make it into the fiesta party with God. And it's not the self-expressive younger brothers that make it into the fiesta party with God. Well, who is it, and how does one get into the fiesta party? Let me show you on this next slide. Those who go face down to the Father. The Father will lift their face up to fiesta. So if you remember, face down to the Father, face up, to Fiesta, and I wanna work you through a little exercise real quick. I want you to put your faces down if you would right now. Just put your heads down and uh, close your eyes right now. And as you do this, as you close your eyes and have your heads down, that represents your humility and submission and brokenness to God. And so keep your heads down just for a second there and lean into the humility and submission. And now look up. <laughs> See? And this is a picture of when you put your face down before him. He'll lift your face up to fiesta. Look, all throughout the Bible, you see our prodigal God longing for the younger sons and throwing parties and feasts and festivals of every sort. In fact, you see all the way from Genesis to Revelation, the fiestas of a loving God. That is our God. He's longing to throw a fiesta for the younger sons 
who have strayed far from him and the older sons who have struggled with judgmentalism. See, the things I do to help you guys understand spiritual <laughs> truth. I really took one for the team today. But, you know, why? So why is the fiesta of God so good? Why is the party in the kingdom so good? Is it because of the decor, the food, or the drink, or whatever? Well, all that's good. But what makes it extra special is because he is there. God's presence is the ultimate thrill. That's why younger brothers will find ultimately that the pursuit of something thrilling, the last thing you'll ever have to pursue is God because it will never get old. And older sons who are filled up with their own righteousness will find that his righteousness is so much more satisfying than our own because we will let ourselves down eventually. He is so good. This father is so good that he sees his son, his younger son, who's been coming from far away, and he runs to him and embraces him and loves him. And he's even willing to leave the Fiesta Kingdom party to come out and pursue his older son as well, isn't he? Look at the scriptures in Luke chapter 15, 31. His father said to him, look, dear son, you've always stayed by me and everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate this happy day for your brother was dead and he's come back to life. He was lost, but now he is found. And so even as the father goes out and pursues this older son of his, did the older son ever go into the fiesta party? We don't know. Jesus kind of cuts us off on the story at that point. He leaves us with a cliffhanger, doesn't he? He doesn't resolve it like a lot of people would like. And you know why he did that? So he would leave you and I with something to think about and a choice to make. Are you an older brother who's being invited into the fiesta party of God? Are you a younger son that's been in wild living who's being invited in? Well, you have to make a choice today. And the Father is seeking you right now, some of you. And that's why some of you feel and sense what you do in your hearts right now because he's drawing you into his party in this Fabulous, marvelous father is pictured well in this story that I read in a book by Pat Morley. It's called Man in the Mirror. And he tells the story of these four men that went on a, an Alaskan fishing trip. And while they're there, uh, they're taking off in their amphibious plane, and the hull had filled with water, and it weighted down the plane, and they crashed into the icy waters, and they had to start swimming for their lives. Two of the adult men swam with all of their might and it was everything that they could do to just make it to the shore. And when they got to the shore, they sat there, they turned around and they looked and they saw something they would never forget for the rest of their lives. They saw Dr. Phil Littleford and his 12-year-old son, Mark, trying to make it to the shore. And 12-year-old Mark was not doing well. He just wasn't strong enough to make it. And Dr. Littleford probably could have given it all he had to make it to the shore, but instead he made a choice in those moments to just hold on to his son, Mark. And they floated off and they died together. And that is exactly the love that our good father has for you and I, and he proved it on the cross. And some of you are younger sons, and 
we want you to know that he's running to you with sacrificial, unending, uncompromising love for you. And some of you have been a bit too judgmental in your older sons, and he's even pursuing you to draw you into the party, the fiesta of God. And look, in these moments, we're, we, we saved our prayer moment that we do in our services for the end of the service. A lot of times we do it up front, but we're doing it at the end today, and here's why. Because we wanna invite you to come and put your face down, like literally walk down here to the front. If you're in the back room, walk down to the prayer stations in front of the screens back there in the back room and go face down in kneeling in humility before the Lord and allow our good Father to lift your face up to experience the fiesta. So let's stand together and worship and you come kneel and pray as you're led of the Lord. So God, I thank you for the humble prayers that have been uttered at these prayer stations here in the front in the back room as well because many younger and older sons have both come before you and gone face down and said, look, it's not about me. And God, I'm humbling myself before you to realize because I've realized that I don't have it all together. And some of his older sons have said, look, I don't want to go the way of pride, Father. I don't want to go the way of thinking that I'm better. And I want to remember where I've come from. And I want to remember the pain that I experienced years ago and be able to extend that grace because I don't want my heart to go the way of pride and hard-heartedness. I want to keep a soft heart before you, Father. That is my heart's desire. And younger sons are saying, man, God, the thrills are just over out there in the wild living. It's just over. I'm so sorry, Father. I don't even deserve to come into this church today, Father. But when I look up, I just see a loving Father who's sprinting to me, not away from me, embracing me. Just so glad that I've come home a good father who sacrificed for me and is now throwing the most amazing fiesta party as angels fiesta in heaven over one, one prodigal that comes home. Thank you for your goodness, God. And we pray these things in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Everyone said, amen. Thanks for listening. For more information, visit citychurchdowntown.com.